We are in the Gospel of Matthew this summer, looking at the parables of Matthew. And uh, that reminds me that uh, next week, as we continue further Matthew, our guest speaker will be our own Matt Scott, who uh, grew up in this church, went away to school, came back, volunteered in both prayer and youth ministry, and now is in beginning his last year of study at Duke University Divinity School, and we look forward to welcoming him. But today's parable it begins in the 28th verse of chapter uh, 21. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went out to the first son and said, I need you to go work in the vineyard today. I will, he answered, but he did not go. And I said, I will not, but then later changed his mind and he did go. So the father went to the second son and said the same thing. And this son said, I will, sir. He answered, but he did not go. Now, which one did what the father wanted? The first, they replied. Jesus told them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of heaven before you. Because John came and showed the way of righteousness And you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw them, you did not repent and believe. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. I don't know that Jesus ever thought like this. But if he were to divide the world into two groups of people, I wonder how he might divide it. Perhaps he would divide it into Jews and and Gentiles. And that's possible. Jesus did say that he had come first to the lost house of Israel. And then later would say to about one particular Gentile, never in Israel have I seen such faith. So he seemed to have those categories. But it's also true, if you look at the Gospel of John, that he might have wanted to divide the world into those who believe in him and those who don't. And, And that makes sense. And Jesus even makes belief. Uh, the order of the day today, as he says to the religious leaders, that they did not believe. But what's interesting is he didn't accuse them of not believing in him. He said, you didn't believe in John the Baptist. So one wonders if belief would be the main issue for Jesus. His brother, James, would later say that even the demons believe in God. I'm not sure, but I wonder if for the purposes of the parable today, we could say that Jesus could divide the world clearly into two parts. Those who do what the Father wants and those who do not. What do you think, he said, and then he told the parable about the first son who said he wouldn't go in the field but did. And then the second son who said he would but did not. He said, which of them did what the Father wanted? I think you can look through the Gospels and pretty easily make a case that one of the things that was most important to Jesus was doing what the Father wanted wanted. When he taught the disciples to pray, he said, uh, pray this way, your kingdom come, your will be done. It was about doing what the Father wanted. Later, he would say to the crowds that followed him, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. And then you get down to the very last uh, hours of Jesus' earthly life. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane and making that huge choice to go to the cross. And this is what he says to the Father. It's not my will, but yours. Jesus seemed always to be about doing what the Father wanted. 
I was reading one commentator on this parable, and this is what he said. How in the world did we ever get to the point of making what, doing what God wanted optional? And think about it. We've spent so much time and energy of the last few centuries just telling people, well, believe, believe, have faith, believe, as if all it were was some sort of mental or emotional assent that we give to Jesus when all throughout the scriptures the emphasis is on doing what the Father wants. Jesus' own brother James put it this way. He said, don't just be hearers of the word, be doers of the word. How did we get to a point where doing became less important than just what we were thinking or believing? I don't know exactly how we got there, but I'd have to agree we probably in many ways are there. And maybe it's just centuries of emphasizing uh, faith as belief when biblically it may be truer to say that faith is a belief that acts and, and that acts. That faith is sort of a trust in relationship to God. And because we have faith in God, when God asks us to do something, we do it, whether or not we want to do it, or whether or not it makes sense to us to do it. One of the interesting biblical lessons is this, that oftentimes God will ask us to do stuff that doesn't seem to make sense at the moment. It's certainly not convenient. But as we carry it out and do it, the wisdom then becomes proven to us. In other words, obedience precedes understanding. And all the way through the scriptures, um, Old Testament and New, the call is to do what God wants. Many scholars believe that the religious leaders who are in debate with Jesus in Matthew chapter 21 are clearly indicted in this parable as the second son. The one who say to God, Yes, yes, of course we will. We're doing every, we, we want to do whatever you want to do. And, and they want to put on an appearance of believing in God. But in reality, they weren't doing the things God wanted. Namely, caring for uh, people seems to be one of the big issues. And, and loving your neighbor as yourself. And so they get, according to many scholars, indicted as the kind of people who have said yes to God, but then turn away and don't do it. They believe but they don't do anything with their belief. And then the first son, the one that said, no, I'm not going, but ended up going. Many people believe that Jesus was referring to, as he talked about uh, after the parable, the tax collectors and the prostitutes. Now, this is all you need to know about tax collectors and prostitutes. They are about as far from God's kingdom as a person in Jesus' day can possibly imagine. Talk about a list of folks who will never be in line with God. They're right at the top. A list of folks who are with God, they're right at the bottom. But here Jesus says they are closer to the kingdom of heaven than those who had had said yes but didn't do anything. Now, before we talk more about that, let me just make this distinction that I, I need to make for you. Oftentimes... In the Gospels, when Jesus talks about getting into the kingdom of heaven, he's not talking about dying and going to heaven. He's talking about being a part of what God is trying to do on the earth, which is to reestablish God's rule in in everything on earth. And it makes sense if that's the case, that if God's rule is going to be reestablished, it's going to be reestablished through people who are doing what God Ask them to do. So in this case, it may not be saying to the religious leaders, uh, you don't really believe in God. What it's saying is even though you claim to believe because you don't do, which is what John the Baptist asked them to do. So that's John the Baptist's belief is to repent. We'll, we'll get there in a moment. Because of that, 
you're not really a part of what God is doing. And the people you think would never do what God is wanting them to do, they are doing it. And then he points out that the deal is they didn't believe John the Baptist. If you think back to John the Baptist, John the Baptist came and he asked people to do certain things. If they were walking away from God, not doing what God wanted, he asked them to repent, which means literally turn around and then do what God wants you to do. So you may recall he said, if you've got two coats, share with somebody who doesn't have any. If a soldier asks you to, uh, if you're a soldier, don't take advantage of your position and use it against people. He asked them to do simple things that God would want them to do. And in doing that, they would then become in line with God's movement on this earth, or in other words, they'd be part of the kingdom of heaven. And so as you look at the scripture, it simply says that just because you say you believe in God doesn't necessarily mean you are a part of what God is doing on this earth. You get to be there by doing what God wants you to do. And as I look at this, the main thing that distinguishes the tax collectors and prostitutes from the religious teachers is simply this. They changed their mind. Remember in the parable, the first son said, no, I won't, but changed his mind and did. And then Jesus said, now tax collectors and prostitutes are getting in because even when you saw them, you did not repent, which is just another word for change your mind. Move back in a different direction. You've been going this way. Go that way, get in step with God. That's the difference between. One way to divide the world is simply those people who will change their mind and go back to where God wants them to do and those who will not. It's just as simple and as difficult as that. If that's so, let me make a couple observations. The first thing is this. You are never too far away or too far off the beaten path or too late in your life to turn around and change your mind. It is not too late for any person in this room to get in line with what, God's, with what God wants. Uh, it doesn't matter how far you've journeyed off the path, the next step when you decide to do what God wants puts you back on that path. No one is too far. No one is too late. John Claypool said years ago, and I think it's true to this day, that God is much more interested and where we may go than where we've been. Because our next step can get us back with God and on God's plan. As we act on our faith and take that first step and do the things that we know God's asking us to. No one's too far away. No one's too late uh, in this room. But if that's so, then this is also so. It is not too late for anybody else that you know. Whether you like them and approve of what they're doing or whether you do not like them and do not approve of what they're doing, they can always get back in line with God's will with one step, with one change. Let me say it another way. A person's initial response to God is not necessarily their final response. No matter how far they may be from God in this moment, they can get back in line with a step, with a change of their mind, with a turning around. People you've cared about for years who seem so far away, it's just one step. It's not too late. They're not too far. Because of that, one of the things I found helpful in my life is this. Whenever somebody slams the door on Jesus, on his message, on the church, after they've slammed it, I'm always careful not to lock it behind them. I always leave it unlocked, for I know... That just one step 
can bring them back, no matter how far they've wandered, no matter how long they have been gone. Why would Jesus bother to tell this parable to the religious leaders unless he thought that they could come back in line and uh, repent and be back with God again? This past week on the ruling board of the church, we had the privilege of hearing from one of the leaders of a house church that we have in the Canyon Lake area. And he was talking about what they did is they went to the middle school and they asked the middle school uh, counselors, give us the hardest kids in the school to mentor. The ones furthest, the biggest discipline problems, the ones having problems at home and acting out at school. The further they are, the better we want them. And they did that, and I know the leader, because they have this belief that no one is beyond coming back to God. No one is too far. It is never too late. And so they did that. Harold Burkhart's one of the pastors of um, our church, and I know he can tell you about his time when he was running a place called the Methodist Mission Home. It was a home for unwed mothers and a home for people who had uh, hearing impairments. But this is the way that home got started. It got started when one woman decided to change her mind and get in line with God. She had went to a revival at Travis Park, and it wasn't too late to her, and she made a commitment to Christ. Of course, the job that she held was she was running a brothel, and she figured out she couldn't do that and be in line with God. So what she did is she changed She turned the brothel into a home for unwed mothers near what's the campus of San Antonio College uh, today. And later it would move out to northwest San Antonio. And I have to tell you that hundreds and thousands of lives of young women and their children have been affected. All because one person and God knew that you're never too far away and you're never too late to do God's will.